You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined yet again by DJ freaking Brown. And I feel like I can't get away from him at all. <laughs> Luckily, we've got a great guest with us today that's going to save us. So yeah, thanks for the nice warm welcome. Yeah, no you know, problem. Appreciate that. that was- <laughs> I know you're having a rough day, so I just thought I'd make it worse. That helped. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason. So appreciate that. Today has been a day. It's just been, man, I don't even want to get into it, to be honest. It's just been a day. So yeah. If I sound more scattered than normal, just bear with me. I'm good though. We're going to be great. This is going to be awesome. Our guest is probably like, gosh, what yeah, he's like, what am I doing? So today we're super excited. We got Matthew Huo with us, who is a YouTube superstar. Matt, you know, you rock the YouTube world, right? I mean, you're just a phenom. We love to have, you know, we love to have YouTubers on here and you're our next phenom that we're going to grill today and ask all the questions that some of your dumber listeners may be too afraid to ask. Wow. I'm just saying, dude, have you seen his videos, dude? He doesn't have any dumb listeners. That's true. I I didn't mean that as an insult. I just mean like, you know, that's our thing, right? We ask the dumb questions that people are afraid to ask. So this is just what it is. We're super excited to have you. We've got kind of a wide array of topics to talk about with you today. It's not like really one specific topic. We're going to talk about a handful of different things and come up with some, you know, catchy, clever clickbait titles so that people will listen to us. Hopefully smash that like button or something, you know. But Mike, you told me earlier, and I'm a little nervous for this, but you said you had a story about me that you wanted to share. So I I do have a story. I think people are going to enjoy it. So Am I going to enjoy this? I think you will. Yeah. Okay. This first part you won't enjoy because I'm going to rant a little bit first. So first of all, DJ calls me. I talk to DJ on the phone a lot, like hours a day, probably. (laughs) And he calls me super freaking early. Like he will call me as my alarm is going off. Like literally the second I wake up, he is calling me. He interrupts my alarm sometimes. I get really mad. Okay, well, let me let me preface that by saying if you got your ass out of bed, maybe before noon, you know, we'd be fine. I get up for work. All right, in your defense, I do get up for the gym sometimes. So sometimes I am awake, but sometimes Which ignores I, me. So I sleep in. But anyway, also, he will call me as he's going through the drive-through. So he'll call me and I'll answer and he'll be like, yeah, hey, hold on one sec. And he'll be like, uh, could I get uh, two McGriddles? And then we'll talk a little bit. And then he'll be like, oh, yeah, just hold on. Uh, yeah, Apple Pay, please. Uh, no, I don't, I don't need a receipt. And then like we'll do this whole dance like every morning. And I'm just like, dude, just freaking call me after. So It's like my routine. It's like the time that I get out of the house. It's like the first time I'm away from the kids and like able to to call. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to make you some time. Freaking pisses me right off. But okay, so that wasn't even my story. That was like me venting. So today 
we did that. So oh, DJ gosh. called I me. I know what you're talking about. So this DJ is... called me today and I was also at the drive-thru. So like I got my food and I came back to my place. I live in like an apartment style complex. And so I was getting out of my car and I was like, hey, let me call you back in like two seconds because I can't carry everything up the stairs while talking to you on the phone. So I was like, let me call you back. And he's like, no, just put me in your pocket. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll put you in my pocket. I'll put you on speaker so you can like hear me die as I go up the stairs. So I put DJ in my pocket on speakerphone. And as I'm getting out of the car, like in the parking lot, there's a car next to me. And on the other side of that car, there's a lady getting out of the car with her kids. And so I didn't know that, but we go into the building at the same time. And as I'm walking, DJ's just screaming on the phone, like, wee! <laughs> like, this is fun. And so, like, I'm just standing there with this little girl voice screaming out of my pocket at this lady. <laughs> it was super uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah, she probably thought you had some questionable video on in your pocket or something. Probably. Your pocket's just screaming, wee! Yeah. It was funny. It was, uh, you know, whatever. We have an interesting relationship, don't we? Yeah. Like, we're yeah, no weird. one else is going to like this story. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matt's already like, okay, yeah. let's get on with the show here. <laughs> yeah. Matt, dude, this is obviously, we like to have fun, but just take it. Let's jump in. Let's get serious for a minute, but take a minute to sit right there and tell me how you became the prince of a town called Butler. I'm just kidding. <laughs> was, I couldn't resist. That was so bad. That was really awkward. Anyway, <laughs> tell the people where they can find you. Tell us who you are. Give us your backstory a little bit. Yeah. So it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I love the name of the podcast, by the way. It's perfect. My name is Matthew Huo, and I started my YouTube channel about a little over a year ago now when lockdown kind of first happened. And I've personally been investing for a few years. And you know, I'm always trying to be a lifelong learner when it comes to investing. I think it's a lifelong journey. But I'm really passionate about investing, financial independence, and honestly, kind of taking your financial life into your own control. And things like the power of compound interest, like simpler concepts like that, it's kind of shocking like how many people don't realize they can take advantage of those laws and rules and stuff like that. So I once created a channel to have a discussion with people who wanted to have that same discussion and also share everything that I learned on my journey. So right now, my channel is just my name, Matthew Huo on YouTube. I talk about the research I do with different stocks. Right now, I'm kind of venturing into a little bit of more financial education style videos with investing. And yeah, I mean, DJ, that was quite the intro. I don't really know if I'd be considered a phenom, but I'm just trying to do what I can and share passions. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, we got to pump and dump a little bit here. Right? We'll pump you up yeah. and then... No, we we yeah. won't We won't dump. We won't dump. <laughs> okay, just, good, just pump. Good. Just yeah. pump. But yeah, I'd say there are no dumb questions. I think there's just, you know, levels of experience. And that's my favorite part is getting people into investing and answering those beginning questions and then kind of seeing that like the light light up and they're like, wow, this is really is interesting and want to take it to the next level. So Mike, he clearly hasn't listened to our podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> you say there's no dumb questions. Yeah. You haven't met us yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll test that day probably. Yeah. We'll see if we can change your mind today. Looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, no, we just kind of want to talk to you about, you know, some of your biggest like words of wisdom for, you know, new investors into tips and some of your tricks and mindsets and stuff like that around becoming a successful investor, right? And to be able to turn this into something like you mentioned, 
that you can kind of take control of your own finances. That's a lot of what Stock Dads is about too. You know, I think that's why you connect with us well is because we have like that similar passion, that similar mission, which is just to kind of help people realize that this is not rocket science. This stuff can be done by anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. so we have to just learn that ourselves. So let's just kind of dive right in and start talking, you know, about all this kind of random stuff. It's going to not flow super well tonight because like I said, we don't have a single topic. I just kind of want to pick Matt's brain. Do you mind if I call you Matt or you want me to call you Matt? Yeah, either one's fine. Matt's okay. fine. All right. I just want to. Mr. Don't Huo, assume, please. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Huo. <laughs> Sir. Senor Huo. There you go. Okay. So one of the big things that you talk about on your YouTube channel is the importance of understanding your risk to reward. Kind of just talk a little bit about that. Give us your mentality on how you balance taking risk versus the rewards that can come from it. You're young, right? I mean, you make Mike and I look like grandfathers, you know, (laughs) you're still in school and you're so smart. I'm so jealous of people like you who started this stuff (laughs) young because like, no, I'm serious though. Cause like the big thing about stock dads is like Mike and I didn't start doing this until like this year and we're 10 years older than we should have been when we started to learn this 15 years older. And that's why we want to start to do this stuff now. So I'm just jealous. But anyways, tell us kind of about your risk to reward mentality and how you approach an investment from that standpoint. Sure. You know, when it comes to investing, a lot of people are always focused on the upside. You know, how much can I make from this investment? Where do I think it can go? And a lot of people also kind of like to jump into stocks when they're already moving upwards. I mean, that's totally fine. But I think a lot of investing is also understanding what can go wrong with this investment and where is the floor for this investment? How much risk am I taking on versus how much reward really is there? And I think there's varying degrees of how deep you can take this. I mean, you can go all the way into building out models to find intrinsic value. You can, you know, do a bunch of comps and all that stuff, or you can simply, you know, ask yourself, what's my risk tolerance? So I think that's something that you'll learn as you invest and spend more time in the market. Sometimes like the past couple of months, if they've been really hard days in the market, you're learning more about yourself right now. You know, how much risk am I willing to take? How much am I willing to see my portfolio move up and down every day? And as you do that, I think you'll start to realize like, okay, you kind of do a post-op or examination of your portfolio after everything's happened and say, did I take too much risk here? And I think the way you can define that is The simplest way that comes to mind for me is to look at a ratio like the the PS ratio or the PE ratio and see, you know, his actually, okay, I won't get into that. No, (laughs) get into it. No, let's, I mean, like just take it step by step, you know, Mm -hmm. just break it down, but get into it. Okay. I'm going to close this blind really quickly. So yeah. You're even better looking than I thought. Man, (laughs) dude, that's me, DJ. We know Mike. We know you're gorgeous. Somebody called Mike eye candy on our Benzinga Live. uh, Oh yeah, show the other day. Yeah, very nice. I was like, thank you, thank you for only feeding this man's ego, which is already larger than life. Anyways, all right, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. So I guess taking a step back, right? It's the idea of compounding. I know you guys talk about that. You know, a little bit on your website. I'm sure you talk about it here all the time. You don't want to interrupt your compounding, right? If you lose money in a year. You know, that's setting you back a lot more than you realize when you look at the compounded growth versus if you didn't lose money or if you had a great year. So that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is when it comes to investing, yeah, just really focusing on, okay, what can go wrong? Where's the floor here? And I'd say the first step is learning ratios, learning the price to sales ratio, which is market cap over revenue, learning the PE ratio, market cap over earnings. 
And what you can do is, you know, look at a chart of the a stock's PS ratio over the years. Is it trading really high compared to where it was a few years ago? And, you know, is it maybe a little bit stretched? And the higher the price of stock gets, the riskier it becomes as a rule of thumb, not always. There are times where it can be definitely justified. Maybe they have a new part of their business that's doing really, really well, or they've made some sort of shift in their fundamentals, and it can be justified, and it can make sense why it's trading near all-time highs. I think that's the first step is seeing, okay, historically, where is this thing trading? Why is it trading that way? And really understanding the company. And the last thing I'll say on this is the way you can minimize risk the most is to have conviction and do your research. Go beyond the headlines and the stories, right? Go beyond, oh, you know, EVs are the future. This is an EV company. Boom, I'm putting my money in. You got to go deeper than that. And every time you go deeper and ask why, 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 you're minimizing your risk. I have a quick, like, little two part, really fast <clears throat> question. So I have a quick, like, little two part, really fast question. I mean, from everything you just said, and this is something I should know probably before we start interviewing you. So you're more of like an investor, like long-term kind of fundamental trader, right? Yes. Okay. So how long are you typically looking to hold a play you get into? So usually I'll look out three to five years and I do primarily invest in growth stocks. So you know, with growth stocks, you've got to give them a lot of time. A lot of them are not even profitable yet. So you want to be with them until hopefully they're eventually profitable. And it depends though. Sometimes there are plays I'm like, okay, this could be a one to two year play, or you know, maybe I'll try something a little shorter term. I think it's temporarily undervalued. I'm just going to ride it until it appreciates to fair value. So it depends on the situation, but generally I'm always looking at things on a three to five year time horizon. Okay. What does that look like from a risk to reward ratio, right? What does that look like in a market like we've been in where it's been you know, kind of bloody? Mm-hmm. Could you expand on that a little bit more? I mean, right now, are you looking at buying a lot of things or are you just kind of sitting and waiting? Or I mean, dollar cost averaging, like what's your strategy look like right now while the market has been kind of rough? Yeah. So right now, my strategy is to make a list of all the stocks that I'm looking at and then try and find a price target for when I would want to buy them based on their fundamentals, based on a valuation ratio. And you know, there's a way you can kind of calculate what price you want to buy at. Say I want it at a PE of 10. If you take a PE of 10, all you need is their market cap and their earnings and their shares outstanding. And then you can find that share price. But maybe that's another topic for another time. I think it's kind of hard to explain verbally. Mm-hmm. But I kind of make what I call a dip list. So it's a list of stocks that I'm looking to buy or add more of. And then I find a target price of when I'd want to buy them. And then I just monitor that. Right now, lately, to answer your question, I haven't been doing too much buying because quite frankly, a lot of the stocks, even the stocks I hold, are too expensive for me still to buy more of. And again, that's where me trying to minimize my risk, right? And staying disciplined and not want to buy some of these stocks, even though I might really want to. And I still mess up sometimes. I still buy things when I shouldn't have. And, you know, that's part of the lifelong learning thing. You mentioned staying disciplined and, you know, getting to the point where you want to buy things when you know you shouldn't. And like, you feel like these things are like, you know, ah, this is such a good deal compared to what it was a month ago. But then you kind of do deeper looks and stuff like that. But there's still the emotional side of investing, right? And trading too. I mean, whichever one you are, or if you're both, you got to be able to control your emotions. So we've talked about this before, but I really want to get your viewpoint on how you control your emotions 
how you, you know, like the trading and investing psychology behind, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, how do you keep yourself from scratching that itch? Sure. I think a lot of it is self-awareness and understanding how you think and how you work. A big part of that can be keeping an investing journal and literally just every day or every as much as you can, just write about how you're feeling day to day in the market. It's like, maybe it's a big red day. What were you thinking? Were you thinking like, man, I was not prepared for this. Or were you thinking like, oh, let's go. Like these stocks are getting closer to my buy targets, right? On big green days, are you feeling like, oh, I'm feeling a lot of FOMO right now? Or are you feeling like, uh, you know, things are getting a little too frothy for me right now. And you'll learn like, you know, obviously you write it and you don't know what's going to happen next. But looking back now that you know what's happened after those days, you can say, okay, was my gut kind of correct? Or, you know, did I act too rash? And write down like the moves you make. I bought this stock today. Okay, a few months later, was that the right decision? Why did you make that decision? And really understanding yourself. And then I think a lot of it is also taking emotion just out of it completely. Just one, plan things when you're level-headed and when things are calm, make a plan. And when you make a plan when you're level-headed, it's probably going to be a lot better of decision versus making a decision when things are kind of going down, you know? Mm. And then two you know, go to the numbers, go to the fundamentals and say, look, the numbers don't lie. Uh, this is where I should probably be looking to buy or sell. So dear diary, I really shouldn't <laughs> have gone all in on Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> well, also Don't do dear that diary, again next time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But like, why, you know? <laughs> Right. Dear diary, I thought Dogecoin was going to a dollar. You know, it didn't happen, <laughs> but maybe it will. Doge day. Dang it, Doge. <laughs> I would love to read your journal, DJ, because I would make so much fun of you. You think that I would learn a lot of things throughout this process, but I think that I get like worse at this the longer I do it. So. Yeah, you've <laughs> shared some things with me recently where I was just like baffled. A, a was, yeah. <laughs> DJ. Shame. On you. <laughs> I think the problem with me is that like I'm learning to do all this with money, which you should. Well, it's debatable, but with money that I don't care about, like that I didn't have before, I didn't need it. Like, so I get like gambly. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, just like oh, go all in on those. Like it's gonna, <laughs> right. go, like, it's gonna double tomorrow. So, so dumb. I have a question to get us back on track. So, um, <laughs> DJ, oh, get your act together. Another quick little two part thing. So when you're journaling. I guess it's just interesting to me because, so we have another guest we've brought on a couple of times, Mike Tedeschi, who he trades heavily off of technicals, right? And he is also a big proponent of journaling, but it sounds like your guys' journaling styles are just different. Like his journaling, you know, he keeps track of like why he bought something, what kind of is patterns, data? Yeah. I mean, what kind of patterns like were on the chart, like the reason he, bought it based off of a pattern that was flagging or whatever. And it sounds more like you are talking about like journaling to really just almost learn about, like it almost feels like it's not a journal for trading. It's like an emotional <laughs> kind of. It's like a diary. Yeah, like, kind of. Uh, something you don't want to find under your pillow, you know? Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. I know a trader as well. who's like a full-time trader and he also keeps a journal and his is just all data, you know, mm -hmm. like what were the global markets doing when I made this trade? What was gold doing? What was this <gasps> index doing? Right. Mm -hmm. And that is really, really helpful when you're doing more shorter term stuff, because things are really, really sensitive in the shorter time frame you go. 
Whereas with, I think, long-term investing, they say like 90% of long-term investing is doing nothing. And sometimes it's so hard to do nothing (laughs) because of emotion, right? And that's how you like train that disciplined muscle. That's how you train that experience. And if you are feeling FOMO, go back to the last time you felt FOMO and see what happened. You know, did it lead you the right way? Maybe it didn't. What could you have done differently back then? And I think with long-term investing, everything's on like a longer time frame, obviously. But day trading and short-term trading is also very, very emotional. But I think long-term investing, because you're like, you don't want to do anything sometimes. Yeah, you're sitting it, on your hands for a while. Right, exactly. So I think maybe that's a big part of why it seems more like a diary. Yeah, I think so. I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I think, I mean, it's whatever works for everybody. I think it just depends on what you need more. You know what I mean? Like whether you need more emotional support or whether you need more like smart support. <laughs> no, 100%. <laughs> I yeah. told you, Matt. I told you, dude, you had to went to your doctors, you realize. Not kidding. All right. So tell us kind of your strategy. Like, how did you learn all this? Like we said, I mean, how old are you? I'm 20. Okay. So you're 20 years old. You've been doing this for three years, literally making me feel like a grandpa, right? Your account's like bigger than I will have probably 10 years from now because I'm an idiot and go all in you're YOLO and go. <laughs> so tell me, how did you learn this stuff? I mean, this isn't stuff that gets taught in school, which is a huge problem, but how did you come across it, decide you were going to do it? Yeah. When I was younger, you know, I was always very entrepreneurial, but at 17, you know, starting a business for myself wasn't the most viable option. I did try some like side hustles and stuff. I sold like duct tape wallets at recess when I was in like seventh grade and stuff. <laughs> duct tape um, wallets. <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, you know, how can I make money without having to like put in work or do like a manual labor? And I learned about investing and I was like, wait a second. So I already love business. If I can study businesses and make the right predictions or analysis, then I can make money by doing nothing. And so I was like, what the heck? Like, this is a hack. So (laughs) I'm so fortunate that my parents encouraged me to go into investing because a lot of parents, you know, sometimes they are more against investing. So from there, I kind of just took it and ran. And I've always been someone who tries to be self-taught and tries to learn whenever I can. And YouTube, honestly, was a huge resource for me when I first started. I didn't have a group like Stock Dads or, or the, like the group I have or the groups a lot of other people have. And I didn't have resources like what we're doing right now. And so another reason why I wanted to start my channel was like I wanted to pay that forward and be one of those channels that people go to when they're starting. And another big part of it was going to school and going to college. I think accounting 101, financial accounting was probably the most important class for me, at least in terms of directly applying it to investing because reading financial statements, super important. So yeah, a lot of it is just finding free resources on YouTube and there's a lot. And I would recommend everyone here, if you're watching a lot of these stock pickers or people who like share their research, that's really, really good. But also there's like a whole nother realm of people who do educational content. Like instead of picking stocks, they teach you how to read a balance sheet. They teach you how to make projections or build a DCF. So there's kind of two areas of YouTube. And I think a lot of people kind of stick to the stock picker area and never really venture into the educational area. Yeah. Yeah, One thing I'll say on that is I hear a lot of times, especially from people starting in this, that like, oh, like I'm overwhelmed. This is like drinking water from a fire hose, right? I see that all the time. And honestly, like, I don't really think that's a great analogy because I feel like there's just so much to learn on YouTube. You know, you can find 
somebody that only trades fundamentals and says like, don't trade technicals. You can find another person that says only trade technicals, like don't trade fundamentals, stuff like that. And if say you do take technical trading, you know, there's like, you can trade breakouts, you know, you can trade, you know, indicators like RSI. There's so many different strategies. I think it's really hard to figure out what you're trying to do. So I think that a better analogy is almost like you're standing on a beach and like the ocean is there because you're on a beach. um, I'm having difficulty tracking this. I'm excited to see where this is going to go. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I saw your face and it made me giggle. But um, (laughs) but like you're standing on a beach and like you're just scooping water from the ocean like into a bucket. Like that's what I associate learning this like as opposed Mm -hmm. to a water like drinking from a fire hose where it's like directed towards you that's what i think like the benefit of our group or like the group you have or stuff like that like the legwork is done for you and it's like funneled to you to like help you learn in a way that makes sense you know you know i think what happens a lot and you know what i did when i was first starting as well is that you fall into this path where you're kind of just take suggestions from people say on youtube and you try and understand and keep up with their analysis and then make those similar moves and kind of follow along with them. But it's almost like one analogy that was explained to me is like guerrilla warfare. Like you're learning a little bit here, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, just enough to be able to follow them. But it gets kind of tiring and you get kind of burnt out and then you're left feeling like you don't feel solid about anything. Mm-hmm. So I think a big thing is, you know, sitting down and mm-hmm. making a syst- like systematically going through stuff, like you said, kind of where you're like, okay, this week, I'm going to learn about the balance sheet, right? I'm still going to keep up with these people, but I'm also going to work on myself so I can do this for myself eventually. And I'm working on the balance sheet this week. Next week, income statement, right? And there's a lot of resources for that online. So I think it's focusing on yourself as well, in addition to following people who are doing it on a daily basis. Are you a bookworm? Do you get, <laughs> dive into any books? And you know, if so, like, what are some of your favorites? Yeah. So I wish I read a lot more than I do because I think, you know, there is actually a ridiculous amount of value and knowledge in books that is just hard to convey online, right? It's so much easier to go into a topic through three chapters instead of like a two page article online, right? So, you know, I got this whole stack of books behind me, but I got to be honest, like I don't read nearly as much as I wish I did. But for investing, the books that I read, a lot of people read like investing books. And I think that's really important. But also I think what's just as important that not a lot of people necessarily talk about um, in the investing world is reading business books, reading books on how to build a good business, how to build a differentiated business. And by reading those books, it helps your fundamental analysis of the stocks you're looking into. It helps you take what you learned from the book and say, okay, is this a good business based on what I learned from that book? So one that I'm reading right now is called Zero to One by Peter Thiel. It's about how to build a business that could eventually become a monopoly and isn't you know, in a commoditized space or a highly competitive space, how to think about building a startup and really bringing something new to the world. So Yeah, I can attest to that because I'm in the process of getting my MBA. I have two classes left and like the knowledge that I've gained from those classes and the homework and stuff, while it's not directly tied to investing, I think has made me a better investor with my not play account. Okay. My play account, I'm horrible, (laughs) but my real stuff, like it is making me a better investor because like I'm understanding more about, you know, how business functions and obviously starting stock dads and turning that into a business and all that kind of stuff has given me a better perspective on this stuff, which kind of makes me understand this stuff just on a little bit of a deeper and a different level. So I can definitely attest to that for sure. 
So I guess totally just changing directions, 100%. This is my last question I have. (laughs) So with the way the market's looking like right now, what are some stocks that you're looking at that you think might be a good time to buy? I guess what I'm asking is because of the situation we're in right now globally with COVID and everything like that, are there any stocks on your radar because of that? Like just because of the situation or like the surroundings or anything like that? Yeah, I would say there's a couple things going on. I think in terms of reopening plays, I think the time to get into those was probably a few months ago. And I think a lot of those took off back in October, November. And I think right now, you know, again, it goes back to risk reward. Like, are you really buying it at a time where your risk is minimized and your reward is still there? So personally, I'm not super interested in any reopening plays at the moment. I think, you know, there's probably still momentum there eventually, or maybe you can trade them. But as a long-term investor, from that perspective, for me, it's not really there. But I'm looking at some stocks recently. I want to look into Viacom, which was caught up in the Arkegos scandal. And that dropped like 60%. But I think there could be some value there in their streaming platforms. I think that's kind of not value the right way. Lack of a better word. So I want to dissect that business and see, okay, how much is each component of their business worth really? Alibaba was another stock that I've been looking into. I think that one could see some potential upside. I think it's you know pretty cheap right now. Of course, there's going to be that discount being a Chinese stock, but I think the worst is, is somewhat over. We kind of got that uncertainty out of the way with their recent fine. The fine's not really going to hurt them fundamentally. And you know, I think there's a decent amount of upside and lower risk on that one. I'm sorry, um, do we have Chris Chung on the call right now? This sounds like a this sounds like exactly like Chris Chung, who was one of our play callers. He's all oh, over really? Baba too. Yeah, he's a big one in the Baba. So nice. Just, you know, I just like that. I thought that was fun. So go ahead. I'll have to go check out what he's got to say. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, and I think with growth, the market is kind of going a little bit more risk off, which we've seen the past few months. And I'm still going to be looking at growth stocks and waiting for them to come back to the right valuation for me. Like for Upstart, UPST, that's a fintech play. And I think they're a really strong company, really high growth, but I'm just waiting for them to come down a little bit. So keep my eye on growth, looking for some low risk value and diversifying that portfolio a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about how the market's kind of bloody. It's really like as a whole, it's not. It's really growth stocks. I mean, that's what's suffering. I mean, the market as a whole, there are still plenty of opportunities. It's just a matter of finding them. The growth stocks are obviously the ones that are super popular and they're the ones that get, you know, pushed on, you know, all these different social media platforms and everybody wants to talk about those. So when those go down, everyone freaks out, right? So one of the things that we do in our Discord, and it sounds obviously like you do on your channel as well, is look for opportunities elsewhere and not just always, you know, focusing on tech giants and all that kind of stuff. How long do you expect this growth correction to last? What's your estimation, I guess, on how long the correction in growth stocks is going to last? And do you just go strictly company by company, ratio by ratio? Or are you like, okay, the growth stock sector industry is now reversing, it's going to be bullish again. And then that's when you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to jump in. Or are you just strictly company by company, one-off basis? That's a great question. I think it's hard to tell for me short-term stuff. And you know, like you said, I don't really know, but I wouldn't be surprised if this lasts a couple more months or a few more months and we see them start you know, continuing to come back down to earth. There are going to be days like today where growth and spec plays jumped 
some of them jumped like 20% today, right? Mm-hmm. And there's probably going to be days like that sprinkled in. I think we might just see a really choppy market like we've seen. And what I've been telling everyone on my channel and my group and everything is, you know, this is the time where a lot of people might fall off and say, stocks are boring. Like I'm not about this anymore, but this is the time for us who want to take it to the next level. We get time to do research, work on ourselves while the market kind of stays choppy. And then when things pick back up again, we're going to be so much more prepared to take advantage of it. And we're not going to feel any FOMO because we already had our plans set. And then to answer your other question, I do take it company by company as much as I can, because I think another key thing in finding plays in the market is sometimes Wall Street will just group a basket of stocks together. And some of those stocks in there should not be grouped with the other ones. And they'll all just fall together or they'll all just rise together. Right now, we're seeing a lot of SPACs just get crushed. But there are some good SPACs in there that are just getting lumped in with the bad ones. And that's where you can find some opportunity. I can't really speak to any in particular because I still have to do my due diligence, but uh, FinServe Acquisition Corp, I believe, FSRV, uh, they're merging with Catapult, could be an undervalued SPAC. FGNA is merging with OpFi, could be another one. And you know, I still have to do my due diligence on those. None of this is financial advice or anything. <laughs> well, let's mark that down in our diaries. Matthew, <laughs> buy it, so I'm, buy, I'm going YOLO tomorrow. <laughs> FVSRSV, that was you said something. <laughs> FSRV and FGNA. I'm going to look into those two. Not sure. No verdict on those yet, but more of an example. Like, you know, sometimes Wall Street will clump stocks together that shouldn't be clumped together. And that's where you can find some opportunity. So hopefully that answers your question. But that's why I think it's important to go one by one because you might find one of those stocks that should not be grouped with the others. It was what, two episodes ago, Mike, that we talked about portfolio diversification. And that's why it's important to diversify as well. Because if you're all in on these growth stocks and you have nothing but growth stocks, and then the whole growth stock sector drops like it's hot, like all these tech stocks or whatever, you know, then your whole portfolio is you're going to be bag holding for a while. This has been super helpful. Mike, do you have any other questions? I do not. Okay. It's about to get wild up in here. (laughs) <laughs> going to jump into some, what do we want to do? Dad jokes? Want to do, would you rather? What do you want to do today? I have a joke for today. Y'all okay. can do whatever you want. Let's hear you it. You sure about that, Mike? Because the last would you rather. You just can't go this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, go for it, Mike. What do you got? Okay, so. You look excited for this. I think this one's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. So a patient woke up from surgery and told the surgeon he couldn't feel his legs. The surgeon replied, I know, I amputated your arms. <laughs> That's solid. That's well solid. Played. Thanks. Thanks. I like it. I like it. Do you got anything for us, Matthew? I got a couple. I'm worried you guys have heard them before, though. Well, maybe I'm you sure should you listen to our podcasts, of, man. We've had, yeah, we've had a few dad jokes. I should have binged. Okay. Yeah, okay. With 38 episodes. Like, yeah, you should you have listened to every single one of them. <laughs> it's a long binge. Yeah. Have you heard what storm clouds wear under their shorts? No, we haven't heard that one. They wear thunder pants. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, you sure you're not underwear. a dad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got a kid somewhere. You just don't know it yet. Uh, all right. So I'm going to do a would you rather. God. Okay. Would you rather have everything that's on your phone right now, browsing history, photos, everything made public to anybody who Googles you, or never use a cell phone again? Never use cell phone again. Easy choice. 
Easy choice. Oh, <laughs> oh my Why this on your phone, Mike? Yeah, that's seriously. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not like that criminal? bad. No, <laughs> yeah, it's not. Jeez. That was like pretty easy. I don't know. Mine's just screenshots of different stocks. So yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's pretty boring in there. Yeah. Use your laptop. That's what you. mine is, too. For sure. Yeah, sure. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got a burner. That's all it is, Matt. We know what you. We know. What you're well, uh, <laughs> Don't think you got us fooled. I've got what's a phone your, for everything. Got like four phones. <laughs> what's yours, DJ? I probably would say to have everything posted to Google. I don't think I could live without my cell phone as sad as it sounds. You know, it's just it literally does everything, and we run this business through it. And I mean, it would be embarrassing, probably some of the things that I've seen and looked up on. Uh, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, got to do clearing browser history, you know. So like, if you ever get put in this situation for real, you know, it'd be pretty freaking awkward to see you googling like what happens when I put all my money into Doge. <laughs> I think it'd be more awkward for me to Google your browser history, Mike. That's what I don't want to happen. <laughs> so I well, also want it's... you to choose the never use a cell phone again. <laughs> Keep that stuff to yourself. <laughs> I don't want to know at all what kind of freaky stuff you're into. Well, dude, this has been awesome. Thank you for being with us, Matt. I've learned a lot today. I'm going to go write in my diary. How Love to, it. How to get myself out of this doge mess. No, I'm just kidding. But give the people one more time where they can find you, name your YouTube channel, all that kind of fun stuff. Sure, yeah. So my YouTube channel is just my name, Matthew Huo, H-U-O. Same with my Instagram, it's Matthew.Huo. There's a scam account out there with an underscore. Mine does not have an underscore, so just pay attention. Let's go report them, guys. Let's get them removed. Go report the fake one. Dude, you know you made it when you've got a fake account named after you. I know. I haven't even had a faker yet Instagram. That makes me sad. Yes, it sounds good. It sounds fun, but not so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my YouTube. That's my Instagram. You guys can find me there. Feel free to shoot me a DM or leave a comment. I read all the comments. So I'd love to have a conversation in the comments or you can move it over to email. Email is just MatthewHuoFIA at gmail.com. You single, bro? I am single. Yes, hey, I am. Slide into those DMs, y'all. <laughs> yeah. You got tell the, tell you the Discord of all the dads. <laughs> I am <laughs> single, guys. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. So any of our female listeners go slide into his DMs. There you go. So all I right, feel well. so betrayed right now. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You know, Mike, Sorry. you can't Sorry. always be the eye candy. Okay? It's not my fault, man. <laughs> you can't always be the eye candy. I'm never the eye candy. How do you think I feel? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So it's not balding, you know, it's just whatever. Okay. You're anyways. married. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's true. And my wife is a smoke show, so I'll live with it anyways. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. We appreciate it, man. We'd love to have you back as a reminder to everybody that's listening. This is our second to last episode in our first season. And then we're going to take a couple months to recalibrate and get some awesome guests lined up, upgrade our equipment, all that kind of fun stuff. And we'll be back, you know, towards the end of summer for season two so thank you guys for listening we got one more episode that'll drop next tuesday and then we'll see you guys in a couple months but matt we appreciate having you thanks for joining the group we appreciate you being in our discord too and having fun in there sometimes and all that kind of cool stuff too so yeah thank you so much for having me i really appreciate yeah. it yeah, yeah thanks man anytime all right well we're gonna wrap it up here but be sure to like subscribe and follow us on all the different platforms and we'll 
catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.